This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the Howdy Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Mason Hopkins, a man on a mission to live a bolder life and encourage other people to do the same. Over the years, Mason has had to endure some hardships that have led him to look introspectively at his life, oftentimes asking himself the questions, why is he here? Who does he want to be? What does he want to do with the time that he still has while he's here on this earth? These are questions we all should be asking ourselves regularly, yet most of us fail to do so with any consistency. This episode is packed with wisdom on how to look in the mirror, acknowledge your feelings, and use them for good rather than evil. Mason lives and represents this so well, and I'm so excited for y'all to connect with him. So now is the time for you to live a bolder life and follow in the footsteps of Mason Hopkins. Enjoy this episode. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here with another Thrive in Life podcast episode. And I've been waiting for this conversation, actively anticipating and excited for the conversation I'm having here today with one of my really good friends here in Austin, Texas, and somebody that I really look up to, Mason Hopkins. I think you're going to love this conversation. But before we get started, because it's going to be juicy, how are you doing on this, uh, what is it, Tuesday? Doing all right. You know, you start work all day and I always find it easier to do something you look forward to at the end of the day than at the beginning because it just kind of makes everything a bit easier to get through. Already starting <laughs> with the wisdom. Look at that. Yeah, I love that approach. And it's something that I've noticed because I do podcasts both in the morning and in the afternoon. And it's one of the things that even though I do a little bit more in the morning, I do like the afternoon conversations a little bit more only because I roll into the evening and like anything else that I have, just feeling really good rather than going from the podcast and having to roll into work, quote unquote, and sitting at my desk, mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, like I'm all jazzed up. I want to like go do something. Yeah, like, um, I like to make the day like a downhill coast, ex- you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Super excited. Thanks for coming out here. But one of the first questions I have for you is something that you talk about a lot on your social media and just something that really connects you and I, and that's about our life and the purpose of our life. And to kick it right off, where did your interest in that question kind of stem from? 
I mean, I, I think for any thinking person, it's just like, it's the inevitable question of life, right? Like we all eventually ask ourselves, what am I doing here? Why, why are we here? What, what's, the, what's the purpose of it all? And so I, I think we all come to the end of the corridor eventually to have to figure that out for ourselves. And I, I think that point just came a little earlier for me. And I, I think we'll get into that a little bit later. But, you know, life events just kind of led me down the path of really understanding, like, you know, we're similar to you. We're not going to be here forever. You know, we have finite time and how to make that time filled with purpose and filled with meaning instead of just waiting to the end. It's just something that I've always been preoccupied about to figure out for myself. And I think in my journey to find that out for myself, it, it's easy for me to share with others and, and hope that I can like spread some insights or some wisdom, quote unquote, along the way, right? <laughs> I loved where you said figuring it out for yourself, because I think there's a predetermined purpose that gets put on a lot of us. And it's something that myself, I struggled with earlier on in my life and school and my career. And it's not something that we're really taught to kind of like search from within. And one of the ways that you articulate your purpose and what you're doing here on this earth is through writing. And one of the questions I've always wanted to ask you was, were you always a writer when you were a kid? Or like, did Instagram just start inspiring you to put written thought out there? Well, so I smile because I think the one time that I attempted to be a writer as a kid, I'd probably spent six hours writing something I thought was amazing and then my computer crashed and I lost it all. So like maybe that was the beginning of it. <laughs> but um, it wasn't until uh, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer about two and a half years ago. And that kind of everything building up around that sparked kind of my search within myself to understand how to cope with that. And the larger questions, the existential questions that come out of that, of that experience, it was not my first reminder, but one of the largest experiences where I just like came face to face with the fact that we're all going to die one day. <laughs> it's, and I, I hate to, I don't hate to bring it to that point. It's just, it's, it's something that people don't want to face. And so I felt like I was challenged to face that fact. And part of my self-discovery at the time was, was wanting to write. I grew up writing music and always being like somewhat artistic, but I kind of lost my connection to those modes of creativity. And so I wanted some way to be able to express myself and like I have a lot of thoughts, but the only way to really make them concrete is to like spell them out for me or talk to myself for 15 minutes in the shower to like understand what's happening. And so part of that came out of like, all right, well, if I just start writing these thoughts in a journal format on my social media, I can help kind of articulate the thoughts that I'm having and I can express the feelings that I'm having in the experience and and understand it better while maybe also passing along some morsel of information or insight or a lesson that I've learned that someone else can use to maybe to shorten their path along that journey. Where my mind goes is you you had something that like traumatic happens, right? And you have this like blip in time that starts causing you to lean into that creativity. What would you say to the person that might not have that, I wouldn't call it easy trauma. I mean, like easy diagnosable trauma, but like something within them hasn't really come to the top yet, but really wants to either try writing or let's say podcasting or things like that. There's got to be some other areas in your life that maybe you've like messed around with, not, not just writing that didn't necessarily need that trauma. And here on the on this podcast, I'm always trying to get people motivated to 
reduce their fear of the unknown and try things while they have the time. For you personally, though, how have you kind of gone down that path and maybe others can take something from that? Well, so even though it was my experience to kind of like write about my experience dealing with this trauma, like that, that's not always going to be someone else's experience. And just because you don't have some, you know, triggering event like that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to find it within you to do these things or to express yourself that way. I think just being human naturally provides you with that subject and that material to write about. It's just, you have to tap into it, right? And I think as as we get older and we become adults and we become more like automated in everyday life and I guess more disconnected from being in the moment and understanding ourselves because we're, we're so focused outwardly on things that we've been taught from school to the order of importance is, you know, you get out, you get a job, you get a house. And so you, you have all these extrinsic focuses. And so we, we don't naturally like look inside and look inward. And so I think if people just take a moment and spend some time looking inward, they will find the material that they need to express themselves. And a lot of this expression for me is a way to domesticate the emotions that I feel, right? So like I dealt over the last few years, especially I've dealt with a lot of anger and I, you can sit there and you can stew in it, or you can find some productive way to make that a driving force for you. And so for me, whether it was physical output or it was writing my thoughts out, I worked on that emotion in a way that was productive for me and and allowed me to actually like want to put forth the effort, right. To do something like that. And so we all have triggering things that drive emotion. I'm sure everyone can think of some event in their life where they were really angry or really sad or really upset. And you just, you harness that as an inspiration to act essentially and to write and to do the things that you want to do. You you mentioned a word there, domesticate. And I think, I mean, this past year alone, like there's so many people that have so much pent up energy. I think it's another thing where we just haven't been taught Maybe we have been because the arts is something you do as a kid and then we kind of lose it. And I've talked about this before. We lose the ability to understand where to put that energy because of bills and jobs and careers and pressures that we have to navigate ourselves and each person navigates them in a different way. And unfortunately, a lot of people do it in the negative way. So it was cool to hear you kind of say, like, now I need to think about that on my own after this, like almost a domestication of that angry feeling you get when something triggers you, that doesn't mean that that thing, as they say, is happening to you, but for you. Mm -hmm. And you can make it for you by being like, how do I be a little bit more stoic and subdue myself and give myself the opportunity to use this emotion, turn it into positive energy rather than negative. That's kind of how I, I thought about it when you were just describing that which is super powerful because if you can control yourself internally, like that output can always be useful Mm -hmm. in some way. What type of ways are you doing that? What have some of those outlets been outside of just writing? So I can remember like the month after I got the call from my mom, tell me, you know, your dad was diagnosed and I, I I was angry and I, I probably have never felt the sensation before where like, I felt an energy in my hands that I had never felt before where I was like, I need to use this or I'm going to punch <laughs> a hole in the wall. Like, like I'm just going to start swinging and knocking things over. And so like, so that was kind of my instance of like, well, this is 
my chance to divert this energy in a productive way. And so what I did is I, you know, I used to train kickboxing. I used to train Muay Thai back in high school between rugby seasons. And I was like, why, well, you know, I love doing that then. And I feel like maybe this is what I need to a very physical output. And so I signed up for it and I probably went a little too hard at the start because I, it was my therapy. It was very cathartic for me. It was very useful, but I was going like every day at 6am for an hour, <laughs> like burning myself out. But as I kind of work through those emotions, like later on, I still train now. I work with a private coach. And, and so like, I'm, I'm able to use that as the reason to get there. You know, I could be like, I, I still feel this anger. It probably won't go away, but like I can use it to drive me to go hit some pads and to get a little healthier and to be a little more fit. And then maybe it can play into my goals of like, well, maybe I'll do a tournament one day or, or a match just for fun, right? Like you find the outlets. And like when we talk about domestication, it was a, I was paraphrasing some quote I've, I've heard before, but essentially it's like stoicism is not the repression of emotion. It's the domestication of emotion. So, you know, when a lot of people think of stoics or stoicism, they're, they're thinking of people who like don't show emotion. And, but really what it is, is you recognize it and you understand it and then you utilize it to better your life as opposed to break it down. And there are times when obviously you're going to be overwhelmed by it and you're going to have to work through those emotions yourself. But that's also the opportunity when you can reroute it to something better. And that's what I, I learned over those years was I had this like low grade anger all the time. And it was like, I could either sit here and be an angry, depressed person about it, or I can use this and be slightly pissed off all the time and use that to like make me work harder and like go to the gym and do all these things. And eventually I started working out of that, like always being angry because I just, I learned how to create these outlets. And so like today I don't feel the same, but I still am able to use that emotion to get me out of bed and off the couch and to go do something, you know? And, and that's the domestication side of it is you understand what you're feeling. You understand why you're feeling it more importantly, but then you're able to use it in a productive manner at, as opposed to like a self-destructive manner. I love how you ended that because what people don't realize is, and this is something that I struggle with is anytime I lash out, it rarely has to do with that moment. It is always something right. that happened prior yeah. to that moment that led to that. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I hadn't worked through. And it's something I've really been working on. I grew up playing sports and really suppressing emotions. You're just constantly going school, sports, you're, you're a male, you're not supposed to cry. Like you have a broken arm, just play through it. Like mm -hmm. that's the type of mentality we were kind of raised in. And rather than just acknowledge, like there's a difference between acknowledgement, I think, and then resorting to negative self-deprecating actions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people bucket it in one way or the other. Like it's either you're a sissy mm -hmm. or you're a hard ass. Like where's the happy medium? And I think one way I look up to you is you've kind of like threaded the needle on, okay, I'm going to acknowledge feelings and like anger is an emotion and there's ways that I can do this in a more mature and productive way. And it's really lacking in today's day and age. So for you, you knew to like go, you had this feeling and the sensation like I'm going to go do Muay Thai had this understanding, but I feel like a lot of people out there, they lack the ability to kind of like know what that next step mm -hmm. for them would be. 
what would your advice be to that person that is having these negative feelings, but their outlet and their resources isn't necessarily there? Like, should they be Googling things? Should they be on Instagram? Should like, what should they be doing to kind of channel those things? Well, a lot of it is just trying new things, right? I mean, so I wouldn't call it necessarily a con of my personality, but I'm very like flighty with interest and attention sometimes. And so like I jump from one thing to another, but the benefit to that is that like, you know, at least I tried this thing and I saw how it felt and how it made me feel. And if I was interested, if it didn't work, obviously I jumped to the next thing. And I also had, I would call the privilege of like growing up and having gone through both like physical sports and, and creative stuff like music. And so I knew how certain things could make me feel. And I would look back and, and look at what would I resort to when I was feeling some type of way, right? Would I resort to making music if I felt sad? Would I resort to playing and practicing really hard at my rugby practice if I was angry? And so you, you look back to understand what, what do you naturally gravitate to when you're feeling some way? And so I knew that I needed a physical outlet because that's just how I respond better to that kind of emotion. I, I need that like cathartic physical feedback of punching a pad or like, I retired from rugby, so I'm not going to retire, right? You, you retire. <laughs> um, so that wasn't really an option for me. So I had to find something else. And I knew that I like did Muay Thai, which is Thai kickboxing for people who aren't familiar. I knew I did that between seasons and I really liked it. And so I was just like, hey, let's just give this a try. Really, it's like a willingness to to get out and do something first because you have to make the decision when you're in that state. And it's hard for me to speak for everyone because everyone's going to have different experiences and Emotions are going to take people in different ways, but really you have to make the choice at, at some point, like, am I going to sit here and let this just tear me apart or am I going to do something about it? That's the first choice. And after you make that choice, you need to explore, well, you know, what kind of outlet do I need? And you look at your tendencies, your personality, and you just, you just explore, right? And, and there may not be an answer immediately, but that's the only way you're going to be able to find out that answer, right? Is, is by actually getting out there and doing something. It, it takes discovery and honesty with yourself and maybe some like insight and, and reflection on your past to, to understand what that is. And I know for a lot of people, it's not that simple, right? You can't just be like, hey, make your decision and get out of bed. You know, <laughs> like we've all been at a point where it's just things have been so overwhelming, but essentially it's, it's taking responsibility for yourself and the, the situation that you're in and choosing to do something about it. The thing that it reminds me of, because you mentioned like flighty and that mm -hmm. you like to try a bunch of different things. And I have always viewed that as a positive because to me, that just means that you're great at making decisions, like quick decisions of like, no, that wasn't for me. Let me jump to the next thing. And then to other people that can like, especially when you're we're younger, it just looks as like lack of focus and it takes these negative connotations. But the more I get into entrepreneurship and the more that I kind of mature it's the people that I really see thriving are the ones that are flighty until they get stuck. That's where I kind of want to shift this conversation. It seems like you kind of got stuck with something when it came to like your, your brand of the bold. And I'd love for you to define like what that means. But then even before that, I have a personal question of like, was that brand created prior to your dad getting sick or was that after? That's a good question. I believe it was prior, but it was only exacerbated afterwards. And 
it's it's kind of a, a f- there are, there are a few funny order of events there. Um, I started getting into stoicism. I think Ryan Holiday made it really popular to like the masses at the time, and so I started getting into stoicism and reflecting on kind of like you know one day you're gonna die. What are you gonna do with the time that you have? And I was getting really stuck in the narrative of like I went to college, I got a good job, I was working, and that was kind of it. You know, you buy a house and you just keep moving on, ticking off the boxes. And I think I started realizing at kind of an earlier stage, like, this can't be it. This can't be all we have. <laughs> and and so I don't know exactly what sparked the name of the bold, but I remember thinking, like, I need a challenge for myself. I need a, a promise to myself. You know, maybe it was like a, a pretend to be the person you want to be type thing. You know, like, say what you're going to be and then do what it takes to get there kind of thing, where I was like, you know, if I portray this image of someone who's who's bold and doing cool things and living a cool life and, and doing things that matters, then maybe I'll eventually form into that. And so I think it was more of a call to action to myself. And then what I started realizing along the way is like, hey, as I'm formulating this like approach to life, there are probably some other people that can benefit on the things that I've come to learn. And so that's why I started writing the the long form like posts and and kind of like sharing my experience. And then eventually it just kind of started becoming my my personality. So maybe the plan worked, but it's funny because, you know, I, I think it was probably within the same year that my dad got diagnosed. And I was like, it, it just shifted the, the perspective to the point where I, it just put more urgency on like, this is the right play. This is where I got to go. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Mason. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Mason Hopkins. I need to do things that make me feel alive that, you know, working at this windowless office at Cisco, (laughs) staring at a computer all the time, you know, it, I was losing my soul and losing my mind every single day. And I knew I needed someone to counterbalance that. And so, and it's kind of funny, like right before my dad was diagnosed, I got amorphity on my leg, right? So love your fate. It essentially says like, accept everything that happens to you. And like two weeks later, he gets the diagnosis and I'm like, do I believe this? Like, <laughs> like is this really how I feel? How can I, how can I accept this? And then that was like putting it, to practice, right? We, we talk about theory so much and we want to believe things. And, and that was me being like, well, you have it on your fucking leg. Like you, yeah. you, you need to step into this. And so I started reconciling what that idea meant. And I realized like that 
was probably one of the the biggest perspective shifts that I had personally was was really coming to terms with this idea that I was just like it just put on display as soon as I got that tattoo and in ways that I didn't expect it to happen right like no one expects that stuff to come up and I was like you know what it goes back to what we were talking before I could choose to let this tear me apart or I can choose to do something with it I can accept it I can work through these emotions and I can make something out of this and for for those who aren't aware my dad passed away three months ago uh it's still still very fresh for me um and the lessons that I learned along the way, just like they grip me so much more now, right? Like the, I thought the dial was turned to 10 back then, but it's like up to like 25 now, you know? And so, um, so the, the lessons that I learned, I'm glad I, I learned them incrementally because now is where I'm starting to put them to the test. And I'm trying to see what, what those principles mean to me. And a lot of it was brought to light through his passing in that, that entire final month was just something I'd never expected to have to experience, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's thank you for sharing that. It's, it's definitely a heavy thing. And when I think of, of living boldly, like there comes a negative aspect to that. And I don't mean negative is in like a bad thing. I mean, negative is in like, when you live a bold life, like it's just like the stock market, there's gonna be downs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if you're willing to accept things, because I think, a lot of people out there, they don't realize that like everyone around us has lost somebody, Mm -hmm. but how many people actually accept that they've lost somebody? And then literally just think about like, what lessons could I learn from that person or from this experience and then make my choices bolder to live a a better existence. And that's what I, that's what I kind of think of is just like something in you knew that you had to live a better life and then you had this example that was given to you and now the trauma that Aaron, my wife, has had to go through and then ultimately it gets becomes trauma to me because like when you're so close to somebody and you see them go through something, it's and I'm sure you can attest to this with Meredith, like you're kind of just one human being at that point because like you're in the same close quarters and something, I mean, that's why I have some of the tattoos that I have because it's no longer about like that thing that you wish didn't happen. That's what a lot of people live in that world. I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, like, why would this happen to me? I wish this didn't happen rather than just saying like, you know what, this did happen. Here's how I'm going to handle it. And then give yourself a reminder to take those actions. So I, I really love how you put that. And if it's not too fresh, I'd love just because this is such an amazing topic for a lot of people out there, especially people in their twenties or thirties. It's one of the things that, man, it comes so fast when we're like in our teenage years where our parents are like mm-hmm. 40 or 50 years old and like thriving. And then real quickly you start realizing that like shit, like you're going to start having to become the parent in some ways of just like, I, I really care what my parents are putting in their body and like what, mm-hmm. what they're up to and, and making sure that they have a long way to go and it just hits so quick. So what are you doing today to embody the, some of those things. And it could be, a, it could be super small. It could be large. It could be whatever you want it to be, but somebody that might be grieving, this could potentially be extremely helpful for them of like, especially males, like how, how have you handled that and, and kind of represented those statements that you have tattooed on you? So 
I mean, I hate to say there's a silver lining to anything like this, but the silver lining to a cancer diagnosis, especially one that played out as long as my dad's did, because it was about two and a half years of stage four colon cancer, is is that you have a long time to come to terms. And so I think a lot of the internal work that I did leading up to that diagnosis really prepared me, you know, reading about stoicism and doing stuff like that, and then and really pondering the messages shared by that and similar philosophies, it really prepared me to accept that fact. You know, I mean, everyone has coping mechanisms and everyone has their belief systems. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to say anything's better than anything else. But for me personally, I'm atheist, I would say more than anything else. But I had this like view coming in where it's like, I, it was much easier for me to come to terms with the idea that the universe is indifferent to our lives than it was to think that him going through what he did was some path, some chosen path for him for whatever reason or by whatever thing, that it was some ultimate meaning that he like suffered the way he did. It was just so much easier for me to see like, you know, the universe doesn't meddle in our lives. Shitty things just happen, deal with it, right? Like, are you going to accept that? Are you going to fight against a universal truth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like you're you're just fighting an extreme uphill battle at that point if you try to change the fact that this is already happening and you can wonder why him or you know whatever or you can just accept it and make the most out of of the plate that you have in front of you. And you know, it was hard at the time because Meredith and I we had all of our stuff packed into a container getting ready to ship anywhere in the country cuz we were looking at places Denver, Seattle, we were going to move within the month and then we found out. And of course we were like, well, we can't leave family at this point. So we bought our house here and that was in itself was very hard because we were ready to like start our lives elsewhere and and move along. But we realized like what we have in front of us, how are we going to deal with this? And we we chose, of course, we're going to make the most of the time that we have with him. We're going to live 10 minutes away from them and be able to see them every weekend for dinner, you know? And, and luckily my dad, he's Cajun. So he loved, he loved to cook. Um, and he would cook all the time. And so I was very fortunate to be able to spend as much time with my family as I did. And that was, that was how I chose to deal with that hand that I was dealt. Really. That's what it is. is it's accepting the hand, right? You can see you have a two threes and four or five and a six and you're just like well what do i do with this right this is a shitty hand or you can figure out how to play it and deal with it and make it work to your advantage and so you know we made the most of our time here and we got to hang with our family we got to go on trips with my dad and i got to spend a lot more time with him which is really great and ultimately i was able to be here when they they needed me to help them brown the house and at the end when he went into hospice care uh, i was able to be here and essentially live in hospice care with my mom for like a week, two weeks as just to be there with them. And uh, so really it, it just comes down to like, here's the fate that you've been given. What are you going to do with that? It's the facts. Here are all the facts laid out, but it's up to you to decide how you move forward with them. And so a lot of people may may feel kind of defeated when things happen to them like that. But I think it's very empowering because essentially the future's in your hands at that point, right? Like you can decide if this thing is going to break you down or if it's going to lead you fast into the future with fuel to your fire. You know, like for me, I saw he passed away and the best thing I can do to honor him is to not squander my time. You know, it's, it's to like 
look for something that I want to spend my time on and be intentional about the things that I choose to do with it. And, and to like use the freedom that he worked so hard over his life, he and my mom to, to provide me to do something with myself. Right. Like I can, can wallow or I can fucking be triumphant and, and just go out there and kick ass. I know he would much rather that, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's turn tragedy into triumph. That's, and, that's exactly it. And for me, what I, what it makes me think about is how many small moments in our life, it, it's kind of like the same thing where you're talking about taking control of your time. And in that moment, it's just like, so your dad gets diagnosed and you understand that like you, there's a finite amount of time. Like that's just a universal truth. Just like mm -hmm. you said, how are you going to choose to spend that time? And I think a lot of people, and I've said this on the podcast before, are just literally cruising through life without the realization that like the way that they're spending their time is not in the, in the best way possible for their own universal truth. Meaning like we, we've talked about jobs, right? If you're driving to your job and you're not willing to die for that job, why do you have that job? Like that's how I view it. It's just like imagine like how many car accidents happen in a day. Mm -hmm. And it's just like if you're if you're like I'm leaving my family to drive to this job, is this is this really something that I should be driving to? And like I think and it doesn't have to be it doesn't even have to be your work. It could be the grocery store, it could be right. wherever you're going in your life. Like am I being intentional? with this time. Is and there enough reason behind yeah, is the there choice that reason? you're making? Yeah. And that's where like, it, I love that word, what you just used, like reason. Like I think a lot of people were lacking, especially in 2021, like re, like true reasoning around why we should be doing certain things. A great example is you and I both love fitness, right? Mm -hmm. Most people are in fitness, not for the right reasoning. Like I'm in fitness because I know mentally, like I will not survive <laughs> like this world uh -huh. if I don't go work out. Like yeah. I've become a better human being, husband, friend, because I take the initiative to go work out. Mm. Like it has nothing It like the, the muscles are a byproduct of like right. the true reasoning. I've only known you for a couple of years, but like you definitely had something in you prior to the tragedy. What was it? Sports? Was it your parents? You believe you have an innate natural talent. What led you into stoicism? And then I think I relate to you on this. Like I've done things in my past. I'm not necessarily proud of, but the hard worker and like the grittiness and the questioning and the wanting more was always somewhat there. Mm -hmm. Just for me, it took tragedy as well to kind of get unlocked, unlock the Phoenix. But for you, where did that show up maybe in like your childhood and your teenage years? And the reason I ask this is I've been really obsessed with looking back at my childhood and like where I grew up and why that shaped me into some of the negative and positive things I have. And for you, if you tell other people, maybe they can kind of start thinking back and connecting some dots and help themselves with that. It's hard to draw from any any singular experience. I, I think, you know, a lot of it maybe was growing up in small town Louisiana where if you grew up there, you either move or you like What's it like a there? drug user. Let's go for that. I like, mean take me through like so what does small town Louisiana look like? I mean it, it was it was at the point where like we lived in a, a house on Railroad Avenue. So like literally fifteen feet in front of our house there was a railroad track. And every 20 minutes, a train would go by and you'd hear the, the, you know, the horn just rattling your place. And you got, and even at night, you, well, up, I think up until like nine or 10 PM. But like, it's funny, the rain will just like tune that stuff out after a while, which is just wow. insane. But a lot of it is like, 
nothing to do as a kid. I mean, you have your imagination and you have like, I had my brother growing up, of course. So, so we kept each other entertained, but a lot of it was just, there was nothing tugging at you, right? Like to your insides, like there's just nothing there that gripped me in any sort of way that could have led to anything productive in life. And it was one of those things where like, I I truly believe like (laughs) there are obviously people who live there and have a life there, but it felt like, you know, you either stay and become a drug user and abuser, or you like, you leave and you, you go on to better things. Um, Anyone with any like ounce of intellectual curiosity about life, you know? And so it, there was no future there for us as kids. And I, I think that's largely why my parents decided to move to Austin from there. Just the potential for life and, and for a future was just so much greater. And that's what they wanted to provide. And so my parents actually had a lot to do with it because along the way, they did their best to facilitate my interests. And, you know, like with rugby, I, I played, I, I mean, I was a very mediocre player up until my adult time of playing, you know, college and beyond. But to get me better and to play into the dream that I had of like being professional, they did what they could. We did not have much money growing up, but they did what they could to send me to New Zealand for six months. And I went and played with teams there. I like, you know, I had an amazing time. And I think that was my first experience as an adult saying like, wow, there's so much more. There's so much more, right? Like there's these experiences, there are these other cultures, there are, you know, this these other countries that are just beautiful and you meet these beautiful people. And so like that gave me the hint of there's so much more out there that we are unaware of. And I I think also part of it is just growing up, like I was always a hopeless romantic growing up as a kid, like, you know, pouring my heart out for anyone (laughs) or anything that I loved and was attracted to, you know? And, And I think I carried a lot of that with me into adulthood in the sense that like, and this this is kind of where the writing comes back into it. Is like I keep some of that like romanticism in my head about like romanticism for life, yeah. You know, and like what could be out there. And then you start building these little narratives of you know like here's this aesthetic view of the beauty of life, and then you have the stark contrast of you spending forty hours a week in a desk, you know, staring at a computer, doing something you're not wild about, and so it's like trying to bridge that gap and make both worlds work because on one side it's practical. You know, you make a lot of money. You can pay for the life that you want. You can pay for your hobbies. If it balances out in that sense, it's, it's fine. But, but I just like, there was always that hint and that draw of like, there's so much more. Right. And so I was just willing and almost like anxious to figure that out in a, in a way, you know? (laughs) And I said, and I think the anxiety has only gotten worse at this point because (laughs) <laughs> I feel bad for Meredith because every every week I'm like, there's a there's a 2,700 mile like bike trip that I want to take. I want to go bike packing for three months, hey, and I'm like, <laughs> she signed up for it, man. Like that's how you have to look at it. Like it's how I earn all the time. Like it, they want that thrill to some extent. Like you keep life alive, and that's something that I've had to come to terms with. And I love that you brought that up because I'm the same way. And I want to, I basically want to validate you. Like don't lose that that trait because I think about like my parents right now and like they, they got an RV and are doing all these cool trips. And like, I, I talked with my dad a little bit and like one of the things he wished he would have done is like when we were younger, he like pulled the trigger on the RV cause we rented it a couple of times, mm-hmm. but it's just like, again, like you can't get the time back and being an adult with kids is, is tough. There's a lot of tough decisions that had to be made, but seeing them where they're at doing that is just another great reminder for me that like, 
there's got to be people in this world that are that are like that because it encourages other people like this is what's out there and it's funny you mentioned New Zealand because I think one of the best investments that my parents ever made into me was sending me to England to play mm. soccer when I was 17 we were literally playing a, a tournament in Florida and for whatever reason this random like Kansas City club came up to me and one of my other friends on the on our club team why they picked me I have no idea but they said we're putting together this team to like travel to England and play against like six other teams and it's like a 14 day trip or whatever and I remember thinking like there's no way my dad's going to let me mm-hmm. do this like there's just no way yeah. like when it first approached and then when we like get home and he starts like researching it and we're like calling people and figuring out because it wasn't like there's no instagram or anything like look into this stuff it's like you have maybe one shitty work you have like one shitty website and you gotta like decide like are these people worth investing Mm -hmm. in and it was the same thing like we we drove all through england i was like on a tour bus like it was it really showed me like wow there's a lot more out there and this is it was like i was 17 so i don't know how old you were but yeah it was it was right when i was starting to like kind of hit my groove and like I'm turning I'm becoming mm-hmm. an adult male like yeah. there's I can start making some choices for myself so seeing it at that time really just like fueled my fire but the anxiety really hit me in college because I was just like and I think that's why I would drink a lot and and party a lot mm-hmm. is because like I knew there was so much more out there and all my friends back then know this like I would I would hop colleges I would visit different colleges every weekend because I was just so anxious to like get out mm-hmm. of the continuous norm that I think it hindered me for that time frame of my life versus now it's cool that we're coming full circle in this convo because I think I I learned to domesticate not only my emotions but my monkey brain yeah where it's great that you have all these ideas, but I'm really good now at like dialing down into what can I tangibly get done within a year, three years, five years, 10 years. So I'd love to kind of shift that, the combo now of like outside of your personal life and your business life and some of the things that you're doing, what are you tangibly trying to achieve like in the next year or a couple of years? Because some of your ideas I get to hear behind closed doors, but I'd <laughs> love for them to be shared with the world and just another shout out to you like dude this guy like camps puts a camper on his truck goes out into the wilderness does all these hikes and if you're into that stuff like you definitely need to follow him because like i'm i'm trying to i'm not afraid of many things but like getting out there like in the middle of nowhere and like really roughing it is something that i know i i kind of need to do uh because i haven't done it yet but yeah just what what's on the radar and on the horizon in the next year or two I mean, if all goes well, hopefully a lot more of that. I mean, that's, I have this inkling for something big, but I don't know what it's going to be yet, right? Like part of part of talking with Meredith is like, I have all these grandiose ideas and luckily she's on board and she's very supportive and very adventurous in herself. So it's really just finding out what works best, but I want to do a, you know, a big trip, whether it's a, you know, a long bike ride somewhere uh, or, you know, a all the lower 48 in one go in two, three months, you know, I mean, some, something fun. Cause I think you need those breaks to provide the contrast, you know, put a little life back in your life, you know, when yeah. you can work your entire life away and get, you know, four weeks of vacation. And half the time I'm like, I just want to take a week off. I want to use some of my vacation just to fucking sit in my room just to recharge from working. And it's like, you, you need that contrast of like, you know, you work hard, you make your money, you, you get your means of, of living, 
but then you actually do something with, with the rest of the time to balance that out and to provide some like life back into your spirit. And so that's, you know, something that we, we look into. Uh, we, we like going to Utah and some of the more mountainous states. And when we got engaged back in October, we were on a two week uh, camping trip in Utah with two of our friends who live there where we just lived out of the truck. Like you said, we had a camper on it and we drove around and didn't have a plan any day we just like so winged sick. it every night where we were going to what where we were going to camp whether in the mountains in the forest whether it was 4 hours away somewhere else in Utah we just and it was like the happiest i've been in so long just nothing else in front of me except for what we were doing that day and just like the quality of life for, from the simplicity of that really like widened my perspective of of maybe what makes me tick a little bit and so that is what I want to have more of. And so I want to structure myself to where I can get more of that, maybe in a way where I'm not tethered to any physical location. So we can travel around a bit. We can live, you know, work remotely. So that's part of it. Some things that are still, I guess, on the drawing board. So to kind of bring it back to, I guess, what my more recent why is, you know, honoring my dad. I think you and I might talk about this afterwards a little bit, but I I have my personal training certification. I, I got that like, in the middle of this journey. And I, I just like, I wanted to do something to help him with that, but I was too afraid because of how frail he was and his like means of health. I just like, I was too afraid to step in and do something because I was afraid of making it worse. And part of that was just because I didn't have the awareness or the knowledge of, or I felt like I wasn't expert enough to like, just tell him to walk 30 minutes a day. Right. And it's not that he wasn't doing what he could. He had a personal trainer and stuff, but and that being the way that I, I wanted to help, but I couldn't help, um, now that you know things have played out the way that they have, I want to utilize that for the future. And so I, I have this new idea that I'm formulating and I'm, I'm doing some research for. But essentially, I want to tie together like you know my quote unquote expertise on fitness and somehow benefit people undergoing cancer treatment. I, I think that is as close to a calling as anything that I might find tangibly. In, you know, in the next five years. And so I want to really utilize that because I have the emotions, that, like, like we talked about, I have the emotions behind the experience with my dad that give me that impetus to do something for that population of people, right? Because I mean, they're just, cancer is, is, is super prevalent these days. And there is a lot of data coming out to suggest that exercise, while once thought dangerous because they thought all this moving of lymphatic fluid and stuff would, would help spread cancer cells and stuff like that, turns out, it's medicine, right? Like it, and then, whoa, big surprise. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's turning out that exercising during treatment can improve outcomes. It can reduce rates of remission. It can actually treat or prevent the adverse side effects of treatment. So they actually feel better during treatment if they get exercise. And it doesn't have to be what we all think about, like personal training and stuff. It could be like just walks. It's just really about hitting some metabolic goal where essentially they burn X number of calories more than they would have just sitting around per week. And so I want to tie that together somehow and provide that for people, whether it's awareness or like sponsoring the costs of personal training for people. Like I'm formulating this idea that I, I think will allow me to do that and benefit that population where it's completely underserved in terms of like exercise and fitness. They're written off. It's, it's written off. And I, and well, so my dad was working with MD Anderson, which is I had, you know, the leading medical center for for cancer and and they were actually saying like you should get a personal trainer. You should 
work through these foundational movements to increase your quality of life, keep your strength, you know, like they, they were starting to come to and, and incorporate That's awesome. fitness into their regimen for, and he is stage four. So if they trust that someone with stage four colon cancer with bone metastasis and shit spread everywhere, like they thought he could do it and it was safe enough for him to do it, then, then I think it's safe enough for probably most, most cancer. Probably doctors. gives them purpose too. This other thing. Sure, like, sure does. It's yeah. just like, I've read stories of people having miraculous recoveries and in different, it's not just cancer, but even like the thing is like the purpose of just having a coach or personal trainer to show up to, mm-hmm. like that yeah. is just like something that I think we take for granted. Cause like, even as kids, like we go to sports, how much of going to that sport was you just have a purpose of showing up with your friends yeah. and seeing yeah. your coaches. And so I mean, like, it just gave, it. <laughs> yeah, that's the majority of it. Right. But like as adults, it's just like, we're in our own little world and, and I'm really intrigued by this idea and it really, it hit, it hit, it hits home with me because people watching my content, like my journey right now, I've seen, I've been running a lot more. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I started thinking about a lot, um, Aaron got, a test back over the past year where her LPA uh, little a is really high and it's only getting higher. And that's for those that don't know is potentially a sign of just sporadic heart attack. And so if you think of marathon runners that have died of a heart attack, like that's one of the factors in Mm -hmm. them. And her dad died at 53, I believe. And then that's what started thrive. And then her dad's mom died at like 51 or something. So like, I really started thinking about like shit. Like I married somebody that like I'm 30 now or both 30, like maybe I have 20 years left and the whole running thing really, while it looks like I'm doing it for high rocks, which is a major, major thing. One of the other things that I've really thought about was shit. She does all this running. She runs half marathons. Maybe I should start running and then like filming her and like running with her. And Mm -hmm. like, because you, again, you just never know. I'm never going to know. And like, for me, it's just like, I want if something ever were to happen to have had that experience and to to know that like I did the most that I could with mm-hmm. my time and that's where that purpose that you're talking about that driving factor because I hate running like mm-hmm. I'll just be I, I just will always will even though I'm still doing it right now <laughs> um, but for you it's like if you can match, and especially in entrepreneurship coming from the consulting world, one of the biggest things I try and get clients to do is attach something that they will do regardless of money. Mm-hmm. Like if helping people that were in your shoes, potential, like I think of it like this, like if you're training people and they live an extra year, well, that's an, that's an extra year where another guy out there got to have dinner with his parents mm-hmm. or his mom or his dad. Um, yeah. an extra year. And again, just the ability to think like you are and, and attached to that something rather than going into self-deprecation is it just shows what you're what you're capable of and then the philosophy you have on life. So extremely grateful that you're willing to share all that. And I know there's gonna be a lot of takeaways, but we're getting close to wrapping up, unfortunately. I'm looking forward to the day where people like you, I can talk for three hours um, and afford those three hours. Um, but I'm not there yet. We're slowly iterating to that point. Um, slowly getting up to Joe Rogan. Slowly getting up to the Joe Rogan <laughs> status pool. But um, now, nah, like, I'm just, I'm cool with, it's more so just, I'm okay with the process of, yeah. of keeping it to 30 minutes to an hour and like understanding that one day I'll get to the point where I can pay my engineer, Joe, <laughs> what he's worth for multiple hours and multiple episodes a week. So anybody out there that's listening to this, even 
myself, I'm still in the process and constantly iterating. And I always want to reiterate that because, again, I want you to put your ideas out there. Um, so thank you for sharing a new idea sure. you have. Last couple of questions. I normally take it in one direction, but I'd love for you to just describe four of the bold. Who is the best type of people that should be like following your content and following along with your journey? And by best, I don't mean like somebody is higher than the other. I mean, somebody that could really attach to your story. And my goal is always to connect people. Mm -hmm. um, and since you're not technically working with clients right now, I'd rather just put them in contact with your content sure. because that's really where I connect with you. And I think a lot of other people could use what you have to say to their own advantage. You know, I, I think looking back to messages that I've received with people who say that they appreciate what I write, because I mean, some days I feel like I'm just writing lessons or things that like I need in that moment. And so I think, well, if I need it, someone else may need this too. And so really it, the people who resonate with the stuff that I write are people who maybe at themselves find they might be a little like disillusioned about their experience and their trajectory in life and are trying to define what they want to do with themselves for the rest of their life, right? Like what are they ultimately working towards? And so really anyone who like has even an inkling of that question of like, what is my purpose? What am I here for? What, what is the point of it all? You know, like people who are intellectually curious about that kind of stuff and, and people who are open to other perspectives. That, that's the whole point. It's like, I know, and I, I try to express this, like, this is my point of view, right? This is my lived experience. It's going to be different from your lived experience. So I never want to be dogmatic about beliefs or perspectives or anything. And so like, really, I'm just trying to provide to the, to the bowl of knowledge that people can then, you know, choose what makes most sense to them out of. And so Anyone who is looking for direction or purpose, other people who feel kind of lost, you know, because that's ultimately what I'm trying to do is to provide direction. And one thing that I've realized recently that I haven't really articulated yet is that, you know, there's this narrative that, oh, I found my purpose, my singular purpose. This is it. This is my thing. It's going to guide my, my sales for the rest of my life. Or say you found that thing and then later on it turns out to have not worked out or your interests have changed and you've tied your identity into it and you, you become lost because of the fact that you tied yourself into this purpose that is no longer what your interest is. It's just equally as deflating, you know? But, but what I've come to realize is that like some people will find that singular purpose that will carry them throughout their entire lives, but most people probably won't. And I've come to learn that it's far more satisfying personally to focus more on purpose in the moment rather than long-term purpose. Because purpose in the moment over time will add up to long-term purpose. If you spend the majority of your time doing things that you find purposeful right now, you will look back at the rest of your life and be like, wow, well, I live with purpose, right? It may not have been a singular unified thing, but my moments mattered because they had purpose to them. Whether it's gardening your purpose of like cultivating plants and making, you know, your rose garden look great, whether it's resting, playing Netflix, as long as you're doing it with purpose, with the reason behind it, with, you know, relaxation, with fitness, whatever it could be, it can, it can change, but every moment you spend will matter. And I think that's important. I don't think it has to be a single unified target. So it's almost about creating a system around reminding yourself mm -hmm. 
of that purpose. And that's why I love tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, like, it's literally just a system. <laughs> I just look at my hand and my arm and I'm just like, oh, that's the motivation oh, I need to like, will fit right yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Just like every, this like the next one I want to get is a Phoenix mm-hmm. because I feel like, like year over year, like I just, I, I'm shedding something of me and, but then coming, burning brighter in some other areas. Yeah. Um, Part of it, I was thinking, is getting a. I want to over, like, blast over this guy with a, uh, like, a torch because I want to. I want to lead from the front. I want to be the light, right? I want to. And so, I mean, obviously, you could just be like, "Oh, I want a cool tattoo," and I'll just make up a meaning behind it. But that was the whole reason. Is like, that would fit perfectly right there. But also, like, that's that's part of why I do what I do is because I want to. I want to lead from the front in a way, just in the sense that, like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And I'm hoping to share what I know. I may not lead anyone per se, but like I'm, I'm leading in the experience of doing this thing, of examining life, examining myself, and just like living as an example. There you go. That's, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> With my interns, like we have a saying that you might be able to use is like when I'm mentoring is to turn their light bulb on mm-hmm. and then teach them how to use their own vibe, electricity, fire to turn other people's light bulbs on. Cause I feel like a lot of people are walking around with dim light bulbs. Mm-hmm. So it was like an easy, like I'm a visual learner. So it was an easy visual representation of like all our friends and family are walking around with dim light bulbs who haven't really fully turned on to like what their potential is. And, but and I like that because you acknowledge that there's something there. Yeah. Yeah, there's the awakened, right? Yeah, and I'm just a believer that, like, I mean, it's proven fact that there's people that have come from all walks of life to make it to mm-hmm. very successful pinnacles yeah. and and mountains, like yeah. from literally nothing. And in, in my eyes, like, I'm a, a logical statistics guy. Like, there's one person that has gone from literally living the worst quality of life to a high quality of life, then it's possible for mm-hmm. all of us. And then it just goes back to the whole co- point of this conversation of the internal reflection. Um, but I have two more questions to ask. Sure. One, how do people get in contact with you? So if they love this episode, what is the best way to reach Mason? I have a personal website, but I usually just use that as like a resume for work. <laughs> so the 100% best way to reach me is just through my Instagram profiles, at of the bold with underscores, and then at of the bold fitness. If you have fitness questions, I will respond there. I love to chat. Won't charge for information. Actually, I'm not really charging for much. I just love talking about it. So, oh, so yeah. if you have questions, reach out. Um, but Instagram is always the best place. Awesome. And then before we get to wrapping up, same question I ask everybody at the end. What does thriving mean to you? Man, it's a hard question. I feel like we just explained it in an, in an hour. Yeah. It's it, a dude, just do what you feel because it's like <laughs> nobody's getting judged for this. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I think it just, And it changes every day yeah. like, for every person. So I, I think you're it, fine. I think it just, it just involves self-reflection and honesty and then using that knowledge of what you learn with those to progress forward, right? It's, it's learning from yourself to find out what lights your fire and then go and attack more of that. But I think before you can do that, it just comes self-awareness and honesty are the two things that will help you and benefit you more than probably anything else at any given point because that helps you understand yourself. You learn what makes you tick and then you can turn that into something that then adds to the quality of your life. So It's cool because after I asked that question, I always kind of give my biggest takeaway and you just hit the nail on the head with kind of like what my biggest takeaway from this conversation was. And that's 
when you were talking about the feeling in your fists and like learning how to use different emotions for the right outlet. And it's something that I've definitely struggled with over the course of my life, but starting to lean into like, if I'm feeling anxious, like go outside. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling angry, go work out. Um, If I'm feeling sad, I love to listen to music Mm -hmm. and just like go on a walk. Like, so doing certain things and reminding myself of like, what feeling did I have when I got those certain things is really what life is all about. Cause if I go on the walk when I'm sad, I'm not suppressing that sad feeling. I'm actually like diving more into it and I'm experiencing it, but I'm also providing an outlet so that I'm making it productive. So it doesn't hang around longer than it needs. Right. (laughs) And I love, absolutely love that you brought that up. And I think that's like such a wise way to go about life. And for anybody else out there that's listening, go follow Mason over at Of The Bold. Uh, It'll be in the show notes. An amazing human being. And I look forward to really getting some follow-up from this this episode. I know there's going to be some um, from some people. So again, go give him a follow, connect with him. He's a man of many talents and has a lot of wisdom. And I'm really looking forward to your future and and all the all the fire that you light up in people. Thanks, so I this, appreciate you having me on. This is the first yeah. podcast I've ever done. So like it's an honor to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Hell yeah. And I, I love to hear it. We've uh I've always been one to again, I'm trying to turn light bulbs on. So more people need to hear what you have to say. And it was an honor to kind of get you out there. And I look forward to like five years down the road, 10 years down the road to have you back on here and all the things you've accomplished. So again, anybody that listens to this, please help us out by, uh, if you're listening on Apple, go rate and review us and share this with anybody that you think could gain some wisdom from this. Uh, It's the best thing that you can do to help uh, the Thrive Mission continue towards our path of helping over a million people thrive on life. So this is CJ Finley. Until next time, y'all, thrive on. Thanks, everyone. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.